It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This took a real sport, eh? This took a real sport. I always remember one of my swim coaches saying to me, if you don't want to train, play cricket. A bit harsh, but <laughs> probably an element of truth in it. Uh, one sport that is incredibly tough is the sport of track and field, truly global. You know why? Because what's the biggest sporting event in the world? It's the Olympic Games. And what do they build the Olympic Stadium for? They build it for track and field. The voice of athletics in this country is Hayden Sherman. He joins us on the programme. G'day, Hayden. G'day. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good to be talking about athletics. And um, yeah, things are things are heating up around around the world, and a lot of Kiwis been in action over the weekend. So yeah, excited to digest um, what's been going on. Zoe Hobbs not good enough to make a Commonwealth Games team um, in Birmingham last year, which we won't get into, but was somewhat controversial. But here she is, a year on, and she's qualified for the Paris Olympics. Uh, boy, what a remarkable year it has been for her in terms of her taking that step from being at a national level to now an international class athlete. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible. So, yeah, it was back in uh, Tokyo when she, she missed out on that Olympic team. And I think that the last 18 months, I've, I've lost count on how many times she's broken that 100-metre uh, New Zealand record, but she's now the, the area uh, record holder and she's just taken another point zero one seconds off off her own record with a with a wonderful performance in uh, in Switzerland at the weekend. So she competed in the Diamond League, but then two days later did another meet uh, where she had a heat in a final, and it was in that heat where she she posted that uh, new area record um, and also booked yeah like you say booked her place uh, uh, subject to. Um, all the conditions that need to be ticked, but certainly got that, that auto uh, mark for the Olympics next year. And that's really exciting. And, and every time she goes out onto the track, just puts down another marker to the, the world of 100-metre sprinting that this girl's someone to watch. So she's definitely climbing up the ranks and, and proving she, she belongs on the Diamond League circuit and the top eight women in the world. It's awesome. Yeah, I always used to say with swimming, you have three lanes and if the fastest person in the fast lane swims four minutes 30 um, and the next best is, say, four minutes 15, four minutes 10, everybody's going to push to 4.30. But if you get somebody that comes along and... Oh, sorry, yeah. If you get somebody that comes along that can swim quicker than 4.30, everybody then starts to push to that new time. The person doing 4.30 continues to improve. And I sense this this is the same thing in athletics, isn't it? The more Zoe Hobbs gets to compete against the best athletes on a regular basis, you would imagine that it's just going to be natural for her to continue to push the bar, continue to push the ceiling. I I think so, and and it's almost like talking amongst, you know, especially young women around around New Zealand, it's almost like a sort of a Peter Snell, Murray Helberg moment where you've, you need someone to break onto that international stage like they did in, in the early 60s and then it sets off this, this catalyst for other, others to follow in their steps. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if there's uh, 
10, 12-year-old girl right now who's watching what's happening with Zoe and is involved in a local athletics club and says, I want to do that. Um, and then we see that next generation like we did with uh, Lydia's boys in the early 60s and then we see the John Walker and the Dick Quacks um, and Rod Dixon come out in the 70s. So um, it's it definitely these things sort of go in generations and there's a lot of, a lot of young people with, with close eyes on what, what Zoe's doing. Um, but also a big shout out to uh, Tian Welton, who was also at that same meet in Switzerland and, and equaled his personal best of 10.14. So he's getting close to uh, Eddie uh, Osainkiti's um, national record uh, from last year of 10.08. So um, wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, potential New Zealand men's 100 metre record this European uh, season as well. So, so watch that space. Yeah, you mentioned an athlete being the catalyst. I mean, I think we saw Nick Willis bring a resurgence back to middle distance athletics here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Tanner, case in point, there are others. We've seen Geordie Beamish do incredible things, and we'll talk about him shortly. Uh, but see, we've seen what Eliza McCartney's done in terms of depth suddenly in pole vault, what Valerie Adams has done in terms of trying to establish depth in women's shot put. And it, yeah. only, t- it only takes one, doesn't it? It, it really does. And, you know, as one athlete, and they inspire, inspire those watching but it's also the it's also the coaching stuff like so James Mortimer's uh, Zoe Hobbs coach and that intellectual property is, is being built here in New Zealand and then that's passed on to other athletes and um, you know as a coach here in New Zealand I get to go and learn from from someone like James Mortimer and he's telling other coaches hey here's here's how we got Zoe to where she is now and Here's how you can do that. So it's not just the, the athlete pulling them along. I think there's there's all those other aspects behind the scenes that uh, go into producing the the coaching knowledge and um, the infrastructure around. You know, how do we become a nation that can produce produce great uh, sprinters? And, and that's been the development of New Zealand athletics over the last probably 20 or 30 years. We've moved away from just middle distance focus um, in the later part of the, the 20th century and, and now truly across the board when you think Hamish Kerr uh, just uh, winning his first Diamond League in the in the men's high jump um, was it just this morning? It's all been a blur over the weekend actually uh, and uh, so we've got high jumpers we've got pole vaulters, we've got middle distance athletes, sprinters, throwers, the, the whole shebang so it's, it's exciting. Let's talk about Eliza McCartney. I, I've got to be honest, I, I wasn't convinced that she would get back to sort of being able to jump 4 metres 70. I I don't know, I had this terrible inclination that perhaps Rio might be her pinnacle moment, but I'm so pleased that she's proven me wrong and others wrong, and you know she's now starting to consistently jump sort of 4 metres 70, probably needs to find another 10 centimetres to um, you know, probably genuinely be in the medal hunt in Paris. But, boy, what a, what a wonderful comeback for her. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And as someone who's had uh, Achilles woes myself, it, it can be a really hard road back. And she, she stuck at it. She's... Um, you know, looked at all the little one percenters, the the nutrition and um, and tweaks to training and all that, and she she's back and with a, a third at the Lausanne Diamond League. That's that's really encouraging. For a moment there, she was the first over four seventy one, so was was in pole position. <laughs> Excuse the pun, and uh, yeah, right on the right on the verge of a potential victory as well. So she's she's up there, and like you say, she she probably needs to 
be yeah up in that four eighty plus um, to be a, uh, a a real candidate for for a medal. But she's she's within Cooey, and, and who knows a couple more meets, and, and she could be right there. Mm. Tom Walsh, uh, we always hear a lot about Tom wins the odd Golden League meet or Diamond League meet, um, but often finishes second to the likes of Ryan Krauser. I mean, Krauser just appears to be in a class of his own. What's the motivation now for Tom? I mean, you know, he's trying, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're arguably looking at the GOAT and Ryan Krauser. Yeah, and I, I, I sort of compare it to, you know, what's it like playing alongside Michael Jordan or... Uh, sprinting alongside Usain Bolt when you're when you're up against the absolute goat, it can feel like you're in their shadow. But any other, basically any other generation of shot putter, and Tom Walsh is is leading the the charge. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's still got the fire in the belly, and we saw him get beaten for the first time at the national champs by Jack O'Gill. Um, so I think that rivalry in itself is, is probably enough to to keep him um, hammering away in the gym. Uh, but he's He's a master at peaking at the right time of the season. Uh, so, you, you know, usually comes out in the New Zealand uh, summer, just getting over 20 metres, 20 metres, and then inches up into the, the 22s, and he's now up, up within 30 centimetres of, of Ryan Krauser at their last meeting on, uh, on Friday, uh, European time. So he's, he's close, but, yeah, you, you've got to say... Ryan Krauser has got to have a pretty poor day, and Tom's got to have a have an excellent day for that those roles to be reversed. Okay, I didn't have Jacko Gill on my list, but now we've talked about him. What is he up to? Is he competing internationally at the moment? I don't know. We um, we don't hear a huge amount of what he's doing, and him and Madison Weshi, our, our female shot putter. Um, don't tend to do much of the European season, so I don't know either of those whether they've got plans to enter any diamond leagues. Um, I'm sure they'll be having some sort of European meets before uh, Budapest, which is the the world champs coming up in August. But yeah, we don't know right now what what their uh, their calendar's looking like. Um, it would be great to see them both get a bit more exposure and a bit more experience on on that world tour stage. Um, but they. Uh, like training at home, they've got great setups here at home. Um, so yeah, it's a, it can be a balancing athlete, a, a, a balancing effort for these athletes at this high performance end of things. Do you, do you sacrifice some time in your, your training environment with family and friends uh, for competing, or uh, do you go out there and, and get that experience? Um, but uh, that that battle, that Tom versus Jacko battle, is is a, a truly great one for New Zealand sport. Yeah, and we've got to have rivalries, don't you? You've got to, you know, I say this, to stay number one, you have to train as if you are number two. Uh, look, I, I remember always in the 1980s, 84 Olympics, Peter Renner, uh, 3,000 metre steeplechase, remarkable athlete, led for much of that final. Uh, personal best of 8.14, it's been a long-standing New Zealand record. But Geordie Beamish starting to get close, 8.17 over the weekend. Um, is he now focusing purely on the steeples? Yeah, he's getting close. So uh, he's, I think he's done what four steeples now, and he's, I think he's PB'd in, in each of them, just inching closer. Like you say, he's within three seconds now of that um, 
what is what is an aging record. We've got a couple of these records around New Zealand athlete, athletics that are just show the greatness of the of the athletes who who did them. But this one's coming up four years of age. But it, yeah, it certainly looks like a move from Geordie to focus on uh, on the steeples. I wouldn't be surprised if he in the process manages to take down the New Zealand five thousand meter record in the process. But it's it's really cool to see him him choose this this focus, and it's it's one of those events that's obviously quite technical. You have got to get that hurdling technique, uh, get the efficiency over over the barriers. Um, so I imagine there's there's quite a few seconds there that he's got it, uh, up his sleeve to tick off that national record. So I, I think it's just a matter of time if he can stay healthy that he will uh, take it um, and. If he can get sort of under eight ten, then he's uh, a factor on on the world stage. Got got fifth at the uh, Diamond, uh, fourth sorry, at the Diamond League in Stockholm uh, over the weekend. So he's he's up there with the on the heels of the big boys. But um, yeah, with uh, just what was it, a week or two ago, I had the world record broken uh, by Gurma, the Ethiopian. So the, the front of the pack is sort of moving away a little bit. But um, if he can get under that New Zealand record under 18, then he really becomes a, a factor in the discussion on that global level. Yeah, look, we've seen an awful lot of world records go recently and, you know, a lot of um, world's fastest times that haven't been sort of done for some time. But we do have to, I guess, look at the technology in the shoes. We do have to have a look at the carbon plates. Uh, They do genuinely appear to be making a big difference in terms of allowing athletes to go quicker. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a big, uh, basically since the 2016 Olympics when Nike came out with some prototype shoes that they they shouldn't officially have been uh, wearing in, in that marathon uh, where we saw the the three Nike shoes uh, take out the three medals in that that marathon. Uh, but ever since the shoe technology has changed, there's a lot of debate, and, and what we find is the retired runners are the ones <laughs> who seem to suggest that. The shoes are giving uh, a lot of advantage. The current runners are saying, "Well, it kind of it kind of helps a little, but not not a huge amount." So, it's uh, quite a bit of science suggesting there's there's some assistance there. How much we we don't really know, but we're certainly seeing uh, times improve. Um, but whether that's a matter of, of of natural improvement or maybe some, some sort of other assistance is, remains to be seen as well. But the shoes have become an interesting factor, and to athletes, most athletes are saying it's the it's the training factor. So being able to go out and do hard <laughs> hard tempo runs and being able to recover uh, from that. And and so when we look at someone like Jacob Ingebrigtsen, who's um, leading the the charge in middle distance running at the moment from Norway. He's able to do these sessions where twice a day he's out there doing tempo-style work, uh, getting the heart rate up to 90% uh, of heart rate max for extended periods of time. And, and in the past, you couldn't do that when, when you're out running your legs. would just be too beaten up. So that's been a big change. Um, how much it's affecting things when, when they're actually out on the racetrack for every every runner, um, possibly those who respond better to the shoes are the ones that we're, we're seeing the records broken. But yeah, it's a, it's a great discussion. 
Yeah, look, I'd rather it being shoes that are allowing athletes to do more because they can recover than what historically was once EPO, I guess, but we won't get into that one. Uh, let's talk Sam Tanner, because Sam Tanner's still continuing to run sort of low 330s. Um, what, what's he ultimately peaking for? I mean, is, what would be his target uh, this year? Is he looking to try and sneak under 330? I'd say so. Whether he's running out of time uh, with quality meat, it seems like the, the early season there was a race up in Oslo that he was trying to get into and, and couldn't find a, a spot on and that went ridiculously quick um, with Jacob Ingebrigtsen going with, I think, 327 within yeah. a second of the, the world record um, so it would have been great to see Sam get a, a nice toe along in that but posting a 332 very close to his PB set in the Com Games at very fast 331 um, you know I think for, for Sam it's He's still a very young and low mileage athlete, so he, he needs to get some reps under the belt of getting used to that pace of running low 330s and, and being able to kick off it. I think that's the, the mm. difference that we want to see is we see him sort of holding on, and it'll be great to see that, that yeah. switch to accelerating. Yeah, we shouldn't underestimate that too. Still a young guy, another three or four years, just layer upon layer upon layer, and then again, you just have that another exactly. breakthrough, don't you, and go to that next level. And what athletes don't actually realise is to find that next step, that's where the real hard work is done, but it will come. Yep. Uh, let's talk yep, Let's talk Hamish Kerr, Commonwealth Games champion, 10th at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, has a win at the same Diamond League meet in Stockholm. Not a, not a great height, 224 by his own high standards, but considering the conditions, yep. a win is a win, and that's a really good victory for him. You know, We should also remember he has won a bronze medal at the World Indoors as well. Yeah, and the real key with that meet uh, from from Stockholm was looking down the, the list of those who had uh, absolute misfires. So the likes of Tanberry, the, the Olympic champion, um, and uh, Wu, the, the, the Korean, Korean who's been yep. jumping well this, this season, and uh, Brandon Stark, the Aussie. So some big names behind him, um, and so it really looked like just a, a tricky old night for jumping. And goes to show, you know, learning to jump in New Zealand conditions can pay off overseas. So big, big notch on his belt getting that first Diamond League win, which is... You know that's that's the equivalent of the the rugby championship. If we compare it to the rugby world, it's it's the next step below Olympics and world champs. Um, so that's that's a massive result for Hamish and uh, bodes well for what's to come as we, we we look towards the world champs. Okay, let's talk Terry. Let's talk Tori Peters. Let's talk the women's javelin. Yeah, so um, she's she's going going great. I. Uh, I haven't heard, you may know this, I've, I've been away for, for no, the weekend, no, but I haven't heard of any results. For no, look, I, I just, no, Hayden, really the last time was in Yokohama for me. I just haven't had you on for a while. And so I just, yeah. yeah, you can go back retrospectively and just give us a little bit of an update. Again, I haven't heard anything of what she's done in the last week or so, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I, I was sort of racking my brain if she had any, any meets uh, coming up, but I don't think she has, but she has uh, yet yeah, re reset her own New Zealand record and that's that's really encouraging for her um, you know javelin is, is one of those events that little little pieces of the puzzle need to be uh, fitted together um, in quite intricate ways and getting that run up right and that release and, and the weather conditions and all the all the things need to be heading in the right direction but yeah she got that uh, a few weeks ago in in Japan and 
Um, this year has been the, the year of national records, really. Uh, I've sort of lost count to, across all the different events, male and female, um, and, and para as well, just the number of times uh, we've seen national athletics records being, being broken. So it's awesome. Right. Yeah, and I think she's what thrown 63 metres, 64, 64 and a half, sort of, I think, Olympic qualification off the top of my head. I don't have those qualifying numbers here in front of me. Speaking of para-athletics, uh, they start this weekend, 8th of July. Yeah, so 8th of July through to the 17th of July. So we're sending a team of, of seven athletes over there. Um, five of those are uh, previous uh, medalists. And, um, you know, the likes of Lisa Adams in, in the shot put, the sister of Val, um, Anna Grimaldi, um, who's just, yeah, very experienced competitor in, in the, the long jump, um, and Holly Robertson, Will Steadman um, in the 400 and long jump, and Danielle Etchison in the 200 and 100. So that, that kind of the the spearhead of the competition and uh, heading over there. And we've also got uh, Mitch Joint, who's a T64 200-metre runner, and um, Joe Smith, who'll be debuting wearing the the black singlet for the first time. So it's it's a good team. Um, And my my sort of thinking is, is could that team come away with with, with 10? I was sort of running the maths and definitely in the hunt for, for eight to nine. Um, but yeah, could could they get up for double figures, which would be absolutely incredible from a, a team of just just seven athletes? Yeah, and I was lucky enough actually to do them and when they were here in Christchurch in 2011, just before the earthquake. I've got to say, one of the best experiences yeah. I've actually had um, in, in terms of broadcasting. Oscar Pistorius, Oscar Pistorius, the infamous Oscar Pistorius was there wow, in Christchurch. Yeah. I think about two weeks later, we ended up having the earthquake, or a week later, last major event yeah. at QE2 Stadium. Hey, um, look, one of the results that I think hasn't got a lot of coverage, but I thought was remarkable, and that was Cameron Avery, 102.50 at the Gold Coast half. I, I didn't know he was capable of going that quick. Bloody great run to finish third. Yeah. It surprised, surprised a few of us. Um, he was our, our top finisher at the World Cross earlier this year, which was uh, also over in Aussie at, at Bathurst. Um, so that strength in the cross country often transitions well onto the onto the roads, half marathon, marathon. So really cool to see 102.50. So to put that in terms of, of how fast that is on the treadmill, just above uh, 20 k's an hour. So most treadmills can't hit that speed. So, so think about that next time you're at the gym. Uh, so he moves to fifth all-time in New Zealand. And then uh, Camille French, um, formerly Camille Buscombe, um, great to see her coming back from only one year after having a baby, and she's gone sub-70 minutes, so with a 109 55 for the half marathon and that is absolutely phenomenal I, ca- I can't yeah, <laughs> no, look, describe I, how I, remember, I think is. I remember Kimberly Smith I think running around what did she run 66 67 yeah 107 yeah I think I was about a 72 30 guys a triathlete and then I was just thinking how do you yeah you know a, 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 remarkable it, it's great to see isn't it it's, it's wonderful speaking of which how's your own form you ran National Park you ran the Central Plateau over the weekend Yes, I had a weekend away doing, uh, it was going to be a bit of trail running, but the weather up there was atrocious, so it was just doing sort of small, keeping it keeping it uh, as close to settlements as, as I could because it was blizzard-like conditions up there. But it was fun to, to dress up nice and warm and, and do some um, shorter trail runs around uh, 
yeah, the Central Plateau. It's beautiful up there. Just, oh, uh, just it's one of the absolute running playgrounds. Mm. Uh, starting from the chateau and then choosing your direction, just just heading out and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real national treasure up there. Yeah, running through that little Papa village down past that waterfall. I've done it, Hayden. I've done it. I know the run you're talking about, and of course the Goat Alpine Adventure yeah. run down there in February. Hey, um, it's just someone texting in. What what was your special event? Someone wanting to know. Yeah, so I uh, I actually grew up <laughs> skateboarding and surfing. Uh, I did I did have a love for running. Uh, at primary school, but was very distracted through my my teenage years um, by the uh, alternative sports, should I say? And then uh, actually, my twenties picked up um, running and, and competed in fifteen hundreds through to through to marathons. Um, but quickly found myself in the world of world of coaching, and uh, you know, for me, I just running as, as a means to keep your body and mind healthy and happy and, and that was the, the thing that really got me into into uh, commentating and uh, and publishing written a couple of books on on running and uh, and coaching just wanting to get uh, everyday Joe's out there running and, and really learning how to make um, make use of that to improve not just your, the health of your body but the, the health of your mind as well, which is such an important part of it. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's my background. I, I never competed for New Zealand. Um, would have loved to, uh, but, you know, we're not all blessed with the same genes <laughs> of the Zoe Hobbs and the, the Sam Tanners, unfortunately. Uh, no, p- people say of me that you can't put back in what God left out. But that's not the case with you, Hayden. Hey, Hayden, lovely to have you on the programme, my good man. Thank you for the update. Yes, no no worries. Always happy to talk athletics. And look, the next six weeks are going to be fantastic with the World Powers next, so, next okay. weekend. And make sure you, you stay tuned, everyone, for all the, all the action. Well, we'll keep you updated. We might bring you back in a couple of weeks to update all of that. Thank you, Hayden Sherman there.